0: Live from the Motor City all the way to the Volunteer State. It's time for the Reckless Speculation Podcast. Where we recklessly speculate the latest news in the world of sports. From college football to NASCAR, we've got you covered. And don't forget to stick around for the world famous Bet Your Nuts. Where we will give you your best bets to make the most money. Now sit back, grab your favorite drink of choice, And join Robbie Davis, Raj Mehta, Brandon Chain, and Tom Sloan. It's showtime.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Reckless Speculation. Uh, I'm Robbie Davis, and I'm here to host tonight. We are streaming this live on June the 14th, so we are smack dab in the middle of June which means uh, the NBA and the NHL have closed out. We have the U.S. Open starting tomorrow, so a lot to talk about. The French Open just ended, and so we're going to touch on those kind of talks, and we're going to talk about, hey, look, we got some powerhouse teams in the NBA, the NHL, and the NFL, so we're going to talk about a little Dynasty talk also. Um, Without further ado, uh, I will welcome... The crew we're going we're going we're shooting for about an hour tonight, um, so you know jog walk drink with us whatever you want to do yeah we are powered by Jack Daniel's single Barrels, what most of us are drinking on tonight um, I'm actually on some wine tonight but you know usually on the Jack Daniels but anyways uh, Tom welcome to the show.
0: Hey Robbie, what's going on? I am actually uh, I'm sipping on some
1: local brew Detroit camping beer. Um, it's delicious. Well, you know, after the Braves kicked the Tigers' butt <laughs> off today, and both the doubleheader, I imagine you you need to drink a little bit earlier.
0: Well, you know that that team is a triple A AAA roster at best. They gave them hell. It, it was both games were pretty uh, pretty close at the end, but yep, the Braves.
1: Sweep the doubleheader. Um, I was saying earlier, you can see I'm in long sleeves. I got my air conditioning fixed finally, so i um, getting to live a little bit of joy now. Um, <laughs> Brandon Chain, welcome to the show.
2: How you doing, fellas? I'm uh, am sipping on a little Jack tonight, so getting pumped up for this vacation. Got an early flight in the morning, so what don't want to keep flight? it too long. Five what, time? Time, what
1: time's your flight Ooh. in the morning?
2: Five ten in the morning. Oh
1: man. Oh uh yeah. my and this should be a topic one day. What is your flight making percentage? It the older I get, the more it drops down. And anything above <laughs> any earlier than seven AM, it's at best fifty fifty for me.
2: Wow. I've never missed a flight. I'm that's I don't know, in my blood, I guess me neither. I'm always early or on time. So two oh, hours God. ahead.
1: I missed yeah. three on my bachelor party.
2: Well, I, I'm, I not I'm not
1: surprised. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced New Orleans doesn't have an outba- outbound airport. Like, you can just get there. There's no way to get out. Um, as usual, um, Raj is late. But um, before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors, CNW Construction and they, there we go. Look at those fine houses. They do porches. They do remodels, pools, a little bit of everything. If you want it, they will build it. Then also we have Davis Kessler and Davis, um, a fine law firm, fine establishment. We also do a little bit of everything. So if you're in trouble, or uh, if you're a kitten that gets arrested, we will help you out. <laughs> um, but no, uh, Anyways, guys, so we just wrapped up the NBA Finals. Denver won four to one. Uh, obviously, it'd be an eight seed, but they went. Don't let the the win over the eight seed confuse people. They went through a gauntlet, beating the Suns with Kevin Durant, beating the Lakers with LeBron James. Uh, Brandon, where does where does this team stack up against some of the recent? finals winners and uh well we'll start with that where does this team stack up
2: man impressive it was an impressive season and you know fully healthy uh they just dominated i mean they they find a way to win and i mean Jokic is should have won the finals or should have won the mvp this year in my opinion i mean you look that's why i hate when they vote too early you look at what, what he did through the finals to carry that team and I mean, average a triple double in all the playoffs, which is just insane. So, this team stacks up, um, up there with, with some of the greats. I mean, just the domination they had and, you know, the opponents they faced to get there. So, uh, well done, Denver.
1: Um, Tom, and let me ask you a little bit about that, about as far as this team goes, this Denver, essentially a powerhouse right now. Um, they play in a the I mean probably the I mean not probably the oddest time zone uh in the continental United States. And are they kind of like the Spurs to you? Is, is, does it, that's what it reminded me watching them. They, are they comparable to the Spurs? Are they better? what do you think about this this Denver team? I think that's a really good comparison.
0: Mm-hmm. You you look at The Spurs, what was their foundation? It was Tim Duncan. Um, And then it just kind of branched out from there, and their bench was solid, great coaching. I I think that's a fantastic comparison. You you got Jokic, you got Jamal Murray. Those two are your catalysts. Those are the guys that are going to drive everything home. And then you have your uh, Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon, who I, I don't think Aaron Gordon gets enough credit uh, that he deserves. He was an absolute beast in that second half, specifically the fourth quarter in Game Five, on the glass. And and when they needed a a basket, Miami was kind of going on a run. Gordon kind of just shut it down. So I I just think you, you know you got Brown coming off the bench, Caldwell Pope. That it's 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 a very balanced team, and and that's one word that I will describe them as a team. Previous championship winners, it's been LeBron. You know, it's been one guy that kind of it, it steer-headed the whole thing. This year, I mean, if I could go back to my Pistons in 04, won it. I mean, that was team basketball. Denver, this is about as close as we've seen since the 04 Pistons, the 05 Spurs. So, yeah, I mean, it, it it's unusual in this day and age of NBA basketball to see – a team dynamic like them to play defense and it just both sides of the ball. It it was just, it was awesome. As somebody that's kind of shied away from the NBA, like myself, I was tuned in just because um, just the way, just the way that, you know, they play team, team defense, the way they take just their, they play it the right way. If I can quote Larry Brown. Um, It was just really good to watch.
1: Rich says, What's up, fellas? Hey Rich, how are you? Um this so this run, the more I looked at it, so and I don't remember what they did the first round, but they went four two over the Suns with an all time great Kevin Durant, swept the Lakers with all time great LeBron and A D. And then went four one in the finals. That's twelve and three over the last 3 rounds of the NBA one, playoffs. One loss at home. One. Well, yeah, well, yeah, like that that reminds me of Tom brought back the uh the 04 Lakers. This reminds me of, of I think the Pistons. 02 Lakers maybe that only lost they lost the one game to Iverson in the finals. I think that was 01 or something like that. This was a dominant performance and uh Jokic is like he's Shaq like right now. Mm-hmm. Right, Brandon? Mm-hmm.
2: He is. He, I mean, he's unstoppable, but in a different way, Yeah, you know, he can body people and get down there, but he doesn't always just come over the top and dunk over you. Like, I don't even know if I've ever seen Jokic dunk, to be honest. He's just got this, <laughs> the this great little hook shot or fade away. Like, I mean, he, he shoots the ball so soft. It, it hardly bounces off the rim. It bounces around and go, finds a way in almost every time, but he yeah. can, he can bottle you, body you and take you all the way down and, Either you know make the basket himself, or he he can dish it out to Murray, who drains the three. So it, I, I mean, it, it's is, so it, dumb.
1: is it weird to say like some kind of mixture? Like, and this this, is, this could be hyperbole, but it almost feels like a Magic and Kareem kind of mixture mm-hmm. of like he can he can play point guard if you want him to. He he can't his oh. shot doesn't get blocked. It's just this weird thing of he can just always score Tom what For do you sure. think about that is that just is that crazy to come I mean those are two of the greatest players of all time but it looks like they had a baby and that's what it, they spit out yeah I
0: mean if you see a lot of especially that second half he was he had the ball at the point at the top of the key he was kind of directing traffic and there was one play specifically in game it was game four I believe where he had the ball passed it in, came back out to him, and it looked like he was going to shoot it, and he just flucked his wrist, and there was Gordon. It was yeah. like an alley-oop pat. I mean, it, it. what he's able to do on the basketball court doesn't make sense for a guy, what is he, 7'6", seven, 7'4", seven, regardless. He's, like like Brandon said, he's got soft hands, and he's just, he, his basketball IQ, he always knows where everyone else on the court is, and he just... For a center, it's just – it's it's awesome to watch, actually.
1: Well, what I think for the NBA, um, a good thing and, – and we talked about – like, like post-game, like he doesn't seem like he – he doesn't want to go to New York, doesn't want to go to L.A. Like he seems super content. Like I'm cool. Where Like I just want to – like I have a life. I get paid to play basketball, and that's what I do. <laughs> And then yeah. once that's and over, I'm going.
2: My job, our, our job is done. We, we did our job. Here's, I want here's to a clip.
0: On. This clip here demonstrates Jokic in a nutshell. <laughs>
1: yeah. He's like, I have to wait three more days for this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that's uh, awesome. The, the, that's just him in
1: a nutshell. Um, Raj, uh, thanks for being on time. Uh, what are you? What, what are your thoughts on the finals? Uh, I mean, what
3: did you guys cover already? Pretty much the obvious that we,
1: we covered everything except for what your thoughts on the finals are.
3: Oh boy. Um, I mean, it's just Miami plays the highest percentage of zone in the regular season and in the playoffs. And in Jokic, you have the best zone breaker for those that don't watch a lot of basketball, a guy who can kind of get in the middle of the free throw line and make everybody collapse, make other dudes, you know, double, just kind of cause chaos. He is the best zone breaker of all time. Um, you've got a guy that, again, with Miami, some of their biggest wins were just total anomalies games like in game two, when they shot 49% from three, uh, miracle performances against the bucks in games, four and five go on and on and on. They did the best they could. And they hung in there. Um, even in an ugly, ugly game, like the last game, um, you know, Denver was just the overall better team and Denver played like ask you know they they shot like five of 28 from three or something they still win um overall as a team you're looking at a team that that killed them on the boards um i call it stat porn one stat porn piece is denver was an average plus 8.8 or plus nine rebounds per game over miami as a small team you got no shot if you're getting crushed on the boards um overall when it comes to shooting percentage um, you know, first more stat porn is Jokic didn't have to do it all for once. Um, you know, it, the, the narrative is that you make him a scorer and you win and thereby him not creating and, and getting the offense going like in game two when he only had four assists. But he only had four assists in the uh, last two games as well. Uh, well, one of the reasons why in game four, Denver oh. shot 50 percent from three and 50 percent from the field. <laughs> Um, but another one, Jamal Murray played way over his season averages. He played like a pure point. He shot lights out. He went for 34, 10, and 10 in game four. Um, when everybody else is making the ball in go in the basket, Jokic has to do less. He had less assists in that game because Jokic is a guy that creates, like you saw, when guys are going to the bucket, when there's a lot of backdoor action, people coming off one screen, two screens, three screens not when dudes are making threes. So he had to do less. So you've got a better team one through five with a player who's the best player in the league, who has to do less to win a series. You, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. Um, just a better team, the best player. Uh, you, you know, you guys talk about, he was the first guy ever, ever in the history of basketball to lead a playoffs in points rebounds and assists. Um, it's something magic could have done in like 1980 for when the Lakers beat the Sixers, but a different era. I mean, that's just insane. And I mean, I can go on and on with my stat porn as I call it. But the last thing I'll say is as you guys talked about Joker and, and the moment never being too big um, or getting wrapped up, he was one of only two nuggets players to shake every Miami heat players hands after the game. Um, I don't know if you guys covered that or not, but just a special player uh, who in today's NBA is uh, nearly indefensible when it comes to trying to stop his offense.
1: Yeah. So quick, quick around, round the, the cubes. Is he the best player in basketball right now, Tom? Without a doubt. Brandon. Without a doubt.
2: Raj? No question.
1: Raj. Not even close. I agree. I agree. He sets himself up.
3: I mean,
2: who's who's second?
3: I mean, Embiid thinks he's the best, but I think the Greek freak maybe. I probably say I I might
2: take him over Embiid to be honest, but I would. Embiid's
3: Embiid's a head case, and a leader, and both ends of the floor. That was the knock on Joker when he was kind of fatter, that when he was chubby, that he didn't play as much on both ends. And like I said in twenty twenty, I like it. Hey
1: the Lakers had three bigs and Dwight Howard, a dad bod, uh, like spokesman. That's what he needs to get on.
3: But the knock is still, if you've got bigs to throw at him and get 18 fouls, you can wear him out. And that may or may not be the case. Who's got three serviceable bigs anymore. The Lakers did in 2020, like I said, but that's kind of why people don't say he's flat out the best. And maybe Giannis is better. Um, But I think it's Joker by far yeah Mm
1: -hmm. all right we're going from uh the hardwood to the ice uh tom you are a diehard hockey fan um the 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 knights this is their sixth year into it they went to one stanley cup their first year lost that six years in they are the stanley cup champion um one of my good friends is a, a Knights fan. It pisses me off because <laughs> they've already won one, and uh, the, the Preds, Titans, the Tennessee collective never wins anything. Um, what'd you make of this this run? I mean, just the, well, one talk about the 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 Florida run, and then the Knights eventually ending it. Well, the Florida run was first off; it was unexpected
0: being that they had to fight their way in the last two weeks weeks of the season to actually get into the playoffs so um but then once they got in it, it, the old adage uh the hot team coming in really gets far and and they did they kind of steamrolled their way right through the playoffs and uh so unexpected but the way they were playing in comparison to everybody else they just they wanted it more and and Vegas just they're built they're solid. And we'll talk about them later in the show, Uh potential, you know, dynasty in the NHL, yeah. who knows, but you have, you have a team that's loaded. You can, you can put four lines on the ice. They all can score. Um, you, you have a goalie who turns out who, and it started the season as their fourth option in Vegas. He comes in, in the, the quarterfinals uh, to, to come in for an injury and, and he, he absolutely steals the show. I think he could have got the Conn Smythe, but uh, you just had a team that was just dying, you know, dynamic and, and a lot like Denver, they were just better uh, at all facets of the game. And um, Florida just, they just couldn't keep up And it. And it came out yesterday that Matthew Kachuk played with a broken sternum and there was three or four other guys that had broken bones and separated shoulders that never missed a game. Uh, so, kudos kudos to you know the fact that florida gave it all they had but in the in the end it was just vegas had too much they had the better Uh, goaltending and and that was the one area that i thought florida had the advantage and and bob probably had the worst series of his career so um hats off to vegas they they come out and you know win the cup the first time in in six years as a franchise yeah it's it's super
1: impressive if uh if you're a Boston fan, wh- how do you rate this season? A failure. Yeah, I mean, you get the best failure. player season of all time, and then you get bounced in the first round.
0: 1995-96 by Detroit Red Wings. Greatest season in NHL history, regular season. Yeah. They got swept in the cup.
1: And I, I said nothing. on here, I have a theory on black jerseys and black fan bases, not black people, black colors of of the Ooh. of the shirts <laughs> and it being – tough to see the the goal or the puck on the road. I'll never forget Pekka Rene just being a disaster at Pittsburgh yeah. and then us losing the cup uh because of our away goal goalkeeping. Well, well,
0: um, I mean, when you've got you've got um Sidney Crosby and and
1: you know Yeah. That, they were loaded. The team was,
0: that team was stabbed.
1: this was, this was a national team on a mission. Roz, you had a friend that was there. Um, I do. What, what was your feedback from
3: the event? <laughs> That's a great point, Rob, and thank you. <laughs> no, um, so my boy that was a very good friend from college, Dorkstro, uh, his last name is Destro. He thinks we call him Death Row, but it's more so Dorkstro. But he, he was never really a fan of anything aside from the Yankees. Moves to Vegas. He was there upon their town's inception, season ticket holder. And it's just different when a team is born and, and raised. And I've, I've never seen him have that kind of passion and loyalty. He was a guy that played baseball in high school and a little in college. I Memory serves. Um, never like a fan. But he said with Vegas, it was just different. And a lot of things go back to Vegas strong to October 1st, 2017, the tragic shooting at uh, the MGM. I believe it. No, it was Treasure Mandalay, Island.
1: Mandalay Bay.
3: Mandalay. Sorry. Um, that happened to be the night's first season. And there was a quote that I read that at the time it, a lot of people may not have liked hockey, but they started to like the team because the team showed their support in the community and they showed their character and just what they were willing to do and where they're willing to be and say, and like I said, support. Um, Vegas, I'm not going to say a silver lining, but fell in love with the players on that team. And although there's only six holdovers uh, from that initial team, their support for them was insane. And as you know, you know, in 2014, the talk of putting a sports franchise in Vegas was insane just crazy, right? Like, oh, they're going to be fixed, the mafia. Um, you know, what's so Vegas was Gary Bettman at the time told the owner, uh, Foley, Bill Foley, that, hey, man, you got to go do a ticket drive. And he's like, what the hell is that? Like, he went straight grassroots to see what fan interest would be. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a crazy risk. And that's, that's risk one, you know, another, I mean, going on and on about this team. But just a lot of bold moves that were so Vegas, whether it be their GMs, you know, the trade for Jack Eichel or, or from Buffalo who needed a neck surgery that had never been done. And somebody was going to pay him. They traded for him. Uh, they traded from their captain, Mark stone uh, was with Ottawa. It was a bargain deal. They signed Alex Panderlo from the uh, defensive from the blues record amount of money. They got to the cup in 18, which helped them understand what more they needed and there were just a lot of risks and most of them paid out and and the ultimate prediction was Foley saying at the logo unveiling that they would win a cup in six years and they won the fucking cup in six years excuse my language it's crazy and it's just but the point being answering to your question it's When somebody is born and raised in that town and they succeed and it's the first one ever in Vegas, it is like a passion unknown to other places because Vegas, as you know, is not the strip. Vegas is the huge surrounding suburbs um, of people that, you know, consider themselves locals and natives. And uh, they love that team more than any team I've ever seen in a road environment.
1: It's yeah. the loudest
3: arena I've ever
1: seen. You, you bring up some great points and uh as a frequent visitor of Vegas, you go through the airports, you go through the casino, the gift shops and stuff. Um the Gold Knights merch is it's prevalent. It's it's always there and uh I compare and I think it's interesting when uh because it's one thing, like, let's say, you know, if the, you know, let's say even the, the Raiders moving to Vegas, a lot of people in Vegas grew up either rooting for Vegas, Cardinals, Seahawks, whatever it is on the West Coast. Char- well, the Chargers don't have fans. but A lot of Raider fans were there, too. Yeah. But, like, people have inherent fan bases. When you take these smaller market sports – NHL, MLS, uh, and you move them to a, a growing metropolitan area that doesn't have inherent fans. I think of Atlanta United when Atlanta the soccer MLS moved to Atlanta. No one in Atlanta had a soccer team they grew up rooting for. They love Atlanta United, and the same thing happened with the what happened with the Knights, happened with the Predators, and Brandon was a part of that. And Brandon, I'm going to bring you on to talk a little bit about Predator. What what did it look like in Nashville when Predators moved there?
2: Yeah, well, it was crazy because everyone's like, you know, hockey in Tennessee, like what do, What does this mean? Like what's going on? So, you know, occasionally we'd go to a few games here and there, and then, you know, the play, Predators for a while were a really good team. They made the yeah. playoffs. And then, you know, that that Stanley Cup run was – unlike any other it you know it you it was just like i compare it to having the nfl draft here like the party that they had down on broadway for Mm -hmm. the predators games like i mean it was insane so i can see that passion where it where it comes from when you get a new team like that um now, unfortunately, we haven't won. Now, I'm sure that's a cherry on top for the Vegas people, uh, for sure. Now they're going to be diehards forever, and they're, they're oh, going to be yeah. yearning for more. So, uh, you know, it's kind of died off a little bit with the Preds. We've had a lot of changes in the regime, you know, coaches and and all that stuff. So, um, you know, hopefully they get back there soon, sooner rather than later uh, to get everyone hyped back up. But they're still, I mean – Preds tickets are not cheap and they, they keep going up every year. Uh, people keep, keep going and keep buying for sure.
1: Um, I I completely agree. Um, it, it, it was wild and like everyone's adopted them. Like there's no, there's no, you don't have, like at least with the Titans, we still have a lot of hometown uh, Steelers fans and Bengals sure. fans, but sure. yeah, it's, As far as yeah, there was nothing
2: like I didn't, I never even watched hockey until the Fred's came. Like now, you know, you tune in. So,
1: all right. So, uh, next on our list, we have so, uh, the French Open was this weekend, and uh, the Joker won his 23rd major, which sets him apart now from. Nadal, one over Nadal, and I believe three over Federer. It puts him, Sampras has 14. Rob Laver has 11, with the caveat that once, back when he played, once you went pro, you could not play in the majors. Um, so this talks into a GOAT dis- discussion. Um, Raj, I know you have been following this a little bit, um what is well i guess let's just get to the point who's the greatest tennis player of all time
3: now we we definitely got to say that we're talking about men's tennis player because as you know technically uh margaret court has the most grand slam titles from 1960 to 73 back then it was largely an amateur sport. she has 30 right something like that and most of hers were in her native Australia and most players didn't travel to Australia, yeah. you know, 60 years ago. But yes, men
1: um, men's tennis. Yes.
3: Men's tennis. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you nailed all the numerically. It's Djokovic head to head. It's Djokovic versus Nadal, by the way, it's 30 to 29, but you know, the, the knock and caveat on Nadal is most of his wins are on clay of his, you know, what, 14 of his 22 majors? I think you just said that. We're at the French. We're on clay. You know, he, he's the undisputed king of clay, with apologies to Bjorn Borg fans. But, um, you know, uh, Djokovic is the only men's player to have at least three wins in each of the four Grand Slam events. Um, he's made the most money, which I know is big to you, obviously, $135 million to Nadal. Djokovic is at 167 million and counting. Um, and not to mention we're not going to get into his personal politics, but Djokovic didn't play in the Aussie in the U S open last year because of COVID-19 vaccine protocols. And he's got two more grand slams on grass, his favorite coming up this year. So you're looking at a dude and I've actually got a question for you after this, but who is 36, but, uh, you know, is going to win a lot more and and probably can get to 30. Now, my question for you is mores know about modern tennis than I do for sure is, do you think his build and style of play has correlated to, you know, his injury history versus the other two biggies in, you know, the big three? And do you think he can hit 30 because of that in his style of play?
1: Yeah. So, so this, this is where, eyes and facts seem to diverge for me. So, like, watching tennis and watching them at their pr- best in their prime, I would take Nadal just because I like the way he plays. Like, the lefty, it. the, just, like, the strength, the power. Um But, yeah, Djokovic, like, he, he, he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't get hurt. He... He, he has, like, Federer was great at just positioning the ball. Like, he could position himself and he could play an entire match against the greatest and not be sweating. And it's like, how do you do that? Well, if you've ever played tennis, you can do that by positioning the ball and knowing where, like, the ain't like, he was like a PhD in physics whatever, geometry, whatever, whatever makes shapes go whatever way they do. psychiatry like as well. You know, yeah, like players, he was, he was, high was high always high there. Nadal yeah. to me was the most like overpowering player I've seen. Um, but yeah, at this point, the, and I heard an interesting stat, and I'm going to get these numbers slightly wrong because off will top of my head. But so if you take Djokovic's Australian Opens, which he won the most of, I think he'd have 13. You take uh, Nadal's French Opens away, he'd have 12 or 11. You take Federals' Wilmington's, he'd have 10. So it's like you take the best surface they're each best at, and Djokovic is still better, still has more wins than the rest of them. And like you said, he's won three on each surface. Uh, Some of that's injury because Nadal if the doll's not hurt he doesn't get beat on french on the, on the clay no. but but he but that in the same the same token is that's his surface and like he's just great i think he only has one wimbledon and so you can nitpick all these guys the the, the amazing thing is he's got two the doll two two Wilmingtons. yeah if they didn't all play at the same time you're looking at one of them having 40 50 majors which and- is insane You said it yourself, man. When Sampras hit
3: 14 in 2002, people thought that was untouchable. And then the big three came out. And and Federer was a little bit older. But it's kind of crazy how, like you said, first Federer is the greatest ever, and it's untouchable. And then you're like, oh, shit, here comes Nadal. He's the greatest ever. And then there's the guy that's the sure and steady, uh, the guy that makes you make mistakes, uh, Djokovic. And now he's the greatest ever. So you're absolutely well, right. Um, one last thing I'll say though is that another thing about Djokovic is he has an all-time record of 387 weeks ranked at number one. So just another knock yeah. on the belt there. I agree. In physical prime, when it's all said and done, like nothing beat Rafi on on like, you know, just at his peak. I um, mean, he was just uh, just beauty in motion, you know, like everything. Um but overall, right now, it's not much of a discussion, and I think Djokovic is going to distance himself even more.
1: Well, well, I think I think this is what it comes down to. If you're saying, all right, peak prime, all right, French Open, obviously you're taking Nadal. Wilming, Wilmington, or Wilmington, you're obviously taking Federer. But Australia and U.S. Open, I think you're taking Djokovic on both of those in their prime, and that's two – you agree? I
3: would just basically grass. I think for the most part, you know, there are some special venues that, yeah, we maybe better at, but like just overall, the best grass players, Djokovic, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's it's nuts.
1: Um, speaking of grass and speaking of greatness, um, it is Father's Day weekend, so that means the U.S. Open is coming up. Um, Brandon Chain, one thing that caught my my caught my, uh, ear this weekend before we preview the actual course, we have to talk about um, our favorite Liv uh, Deporte, back to be imported. Uh, Brooks Kepka says he tends his goal, 10 majors. He is sitting at five um what do you so for people like what jack has 18 obviously 18. Tiger has 15 does gary player have 10 mm. does anyone else have above 10
2: i don't think gary player has 10 um I didn't think anyone else was in double digits. I'll have to double check that. Yeah. Well, I, we know I, Jack I know and right Tiger do, but sure. that's, the,
1: that's the club. We know that's the club. Can Brooks get there?
2: I mean, I, I don't see why he can't uh, right now. And even he's, he's
1: what, 33?
2: It's 33. And before he got hurt and went to live. And I think that had a a big factor of him going to live. He wasn't sure how he was going to recover on that. But anyway, that's a whole nother uh, topic. Uh, He, I mean, when he showed up for majors, he's just dominant. He's always in the top. Like he's always puts himself in position to win. And, you know, he could have two this year. He choked on one. Um, So to get to 10 is not a stretch, in my opinion. I mean, you give him three, four more years, and if he stays this dominant in in these majors, absolutely he can get to 10. Um, it, it's, it's incredible what he does in the majors and how he can focus on those. And that's all he cares about. I mean, he doesn't – you look at his, you know, career wins or whatever. I think it was, I don't know, 10 or 12 or something like that. And I mean, it's a low career winning percentage, but five majors out of that. So – Almost fifty percent of his wins are in majors.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm looking at so, and what I find interesting, he's got five majors, and arguably the easiest one to win is the Masters, and he hasn't won that one.
2: He hasn't.
1: He's finished twice, or finished second twice. Um, and that's the one you can play. The old, the older you get, the more you have a chance to win that one, as opposed sure. to the rest of them.
2: Right, because it's always at the same spot.
1: Yeah. Um he's finished top four in the in the open championships. He has two US opens, three PGAs. Um I'm with you. I think if anyone of this group, this generation, can get to ten, he's the one that can because mm-hmm. he's just that good at majors. Like he 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 just it it's he, annoying. He just comes to play like he just
2: flips a switch, man, and he is He's always right there, and I'm like, "How in the hell does he do this it's it's unbelievable, but he he's got that second gear that he hits in majors, and it dude can win he can win in majors
1: um and now we'll see how he does this week if he wins this weekend which um what are, what do you what are your expectations of the golfers this weekend i i i have i've heard I've, i watched andy north today on e s p n He said, it's a funky course, and these players are trying to practice as much as they can because this is not – they don't play it very often, if at all.
2: Yeah, so um, USGA kind of went away from what their typical U.S. Open is, and they're starting to get a little bit more away from, um, you know, just the brutally hard, long, everything's long, rough is crazy, you know, and you get maybe four under to win it or two under to win win the U.S. Open. This course has – everything you want. It's got short par threes. It's got long holes. Uh, there's scorable holes. There's brutally hard holes. Um, I think Rom might've said it best. He said, you know, the hard holes are probably harder than your average U S open. He said, but the easy holes are probably easier than your average U S open. So there's scoring opportunities there, but you know, these players don't know first time playing at, uh LACC so uh, first time this club has been opened in in a spectacle uh on the PGA tour so it, it's it's hard to judge like what the the possible outcome of this you know winner could be it could yeah. be 4 under it could be 14 under
1: yeah and, and for those who don't know the US Open it's set up to be tough the rough is going to be high if you this, this is this is probably the widest fairways that i've seen in a long time for the u.s Mm -hmm. open but if you miss look for some doubles and triple bogeys out there because it's going to be it's going to be tough if you miss um it's going to be should be great weather uh it's going to be interesting the the west coast start time versus the east coast tv channel but um nonetheless who what are your golfers to watch in this thing
2: um Golfers to watch. I've got uh, Victor Hovland is one of them. He's having a, a great run this year. Um, he's driving the ball really well, and I think with this course, that's what you're going to need. Even though some of the holes are shorter, I think you know being aggressive off the tee and putting yourself in the right position will will allow for that. Um, also, like Pat Patrick Cantlay, um, he used to play there once a month at UCLA. And he knows this course very well. Now there's been some restoration on a couple holes where they've changed him up a little bit, but he, he really knows this course well. And then I also like Max Homa. Uh, he shot a 61 here in college. So he knows the course well, he, he knows where to, where to miss. And, you know, experience on a course like this in, in a major championship when, you know, anxiety and pressure is on, uh, you know, going back to what you know and of the course and that knowledge is really going to help out. So I really like those. And one more to watch. Old boy from Live, Phil Nicholson.
1: No, no, no. Just he's now. not going to do it on a U.S. Open. Just
2: listen. He needs a U.S. Open to complete the Grand Slam. So you don't think he's focused. He's been playing well this year. He's finished pretty well in the majors. This is a so gettable course get that for him.
1: Talk out there. No, um, I'm well, telling you, uh, it, it no, is. That's crazy. That's crazy. Not. Real quickly, we have something to uh the text box. Uh, you you said you know you know where to miss. Uh, explain that for non golfers about you know what 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 a where to miss zone is.
2: So, where to miss zone is, for one, you know your natural tendencies on a shot. Like if you hit the ball and you your miss is right all the time, all right. So you have to set yourself up in a position. Like if you're approaching the green, okay, you can't always get. Everyone always thinks, especially amateurs, like you can go at every single pin. You cannot. Uh, greens are you got to know the slopes of the greens and everything else, and you also have to know where to miss, and that's where this comes in. If your tendency to miss is right uh and the pin is, you know, say middle and it troubles left, you wanna kinda aim towards the left side. If you do miss, you're gonna be on that right side and you're still gonna be in the safe zone. And just knowing the course and and knowing where um there's mounds and and trouble or if if you hit it left side of the fairway you're gonna be be behind a tree that's gonna hinder your approach shot or just things like that. So you got to know where to miss. You really have to think your way through a it, golf course. You can't yeah. just go out there and.
1: For, for our anything. degenerates that are watching, it's kind of like being in a blackjack table. You got to know when to not take a bus card. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, 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 you can. You can, you can stay, survive to play and see what happens. You don't have exactly. to get on every... You don't you don't want to bust and then ruin a good... Well, family.
2: and if if you get yourself in trouble, you have to know when to take your medicine and just yeah. try and get out of there with a par and don't, not a double buggy. So, yeah. uh, you know, and these guys are good at
1: that. Um, Alright, I'm going to bring everyone back now and let's talk a little bit about... We got about 15 minutes left on the segment. Um, we talked about the Nuggets. We've talked about the Knights. We've talked about uh, the goat and the US open uh, which all leads us to dynasties right so we have the we have a lot of real power players in sports right now um, If I had to say you have to hitch your wagon to one horse to win and when I talk about dynasty I mean maybe three and five three and six, what team and what sports gonna win the next championship or the most championships in the next six years? Um Raj, you um as an avid Dodgers fan, Dodgers is one of these people. And um what what do you who do you think you're betting on? Of all the major sports. Yeah. Um at this point,
3: Kansas City. I'd have to go with the Chiefs. Um, potentially the Nuggets, because As we've said, their starting five is all under contract for the next two seasons. But basketball, much like baseball, not saying football isn't like that, but there's a lot of games, man, and people get hurt. And in baseball, it's who's hot at the right time and who's healthy. Um, The Dodgers had the third most wins of all time last year, and they saw an exit in the first round, courtesy of those asshats from San Diego. So – I'm going with the Chiefs uh just because you see the same characteristics I'm sure these guys will talk about with great teams and great dynasties and and that's leadership on and off the floor and, and or the field and and they've got that
1: obviously um tom who what do you got you, you know of all the sports who who's your pick for the dynasty if you had to pick one i I
0: mean I I like what Roz is going. I think Kansas City definitely fits that mold. Um, I like the Braves. I I think without – if not for an injury last year, uh, they could have won the World Series. It would have been back-to-back. I I think they're built for the next probably seven to eight years. They're all very young. They're all under contract. So And and you have a pitching staff that's dynamic, although it's – Strider gave up three home runs in the first two innings today, but that's uncharacteristic of him. Um, they're led by uh, Brian Snicker, the the manager, who is just kind of a old school throwback, uh, no nonsense kind of a guy, and and he holds his his players accountable. So, based HM, on an yeah, oh sure, but and and willing to spend money wherever he has to. You,
1: so you like the Braves over the Astros? They, they gutted the farm.
0: I like the Braves. I like the Braves. Just all because of right. their roster and their age and the fact that they're all pretty much signed for the next five years. So And they don't cheat,
3: but they've gutted their farm system. They're, they've gone for it. But you're right. They have the most amount of young talent under contract in baseball. Brilliant contractual moves by Anthopolis. And, you know, as soon as they got uh, Murphy from Oakland, Boy, they already have a catcher. No, this guy knows exactly what he's doing, man, and and LA is right there, you know. Just of course, I'm biased, but (laughs) still have a farm, you know. But baseball is really tough. Got hosed, robbed by cheaters uh, who cheated, and still had to go to Game Seven in 2017. (laughs) Um, You know, 11th straight NL airing of
1: grievances. Dude,
3: I'll never get over that. And I was at Uh, multiple games there. Fuck those guys forever. Excuse my language. So, um, but yeah, the Braves usually farm matters big time. You, you know, it's organizations, and the Braves are an exception because those guys are under contract. But um, great organizations are the ones that only ones that qualify. All right, Brandon,
1: what do you got?
2: Give me Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes all day. I mean, this is this. I don't think they'll get close. I don't know if anyone will ever get close to Brady Belichick and and the seven rings or six rings they had. Uh, But this is going to rival them for sure. Uh, This is – I mean, Mahomes has signed for, what, the next eight years, and he's restructuring as we speak. Dude is unbelievable. It's plug and play with him. He can make everyone better on the team. Uh, as long as they keep the offensive line solid and a halfway decent defense, I mean they're going to put up 40 points a game, and they're they're tough to beat. So um, yeah, give me the Chiefs for sure.
1: Um, I don't disagree with any of y'all's picks. I obviously the Chiefs you got the best player, probably the the current best coach, actively or, or currently right now with the talent he's got. Um, but man, the AFC is loaded. Uh, and there's landmines everywhere. Uh, Tom, I agree with the Braves. They, they're they stacked. They have pitching, outfield players, position players. I think I'm going with what I just saw, and I hate to be a prisoner of the moment, but, man, Denver looks locked and loaded, and the West is crumbling the Lakers probably have another year. The Clippers are a mess. Phoenix, who knows what they're going to do? Um, I, I, think, I think I like the Nuggets to, to win. Maybe not repeating like that. I think they win the most in the next six years. Rocket, mentioned in the
0: in the chat the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think they were. I think their run is probably over with now. But the last five years. There, there hadn't been a more uh three you know nasty just yeah, they went th- what two or three cups just
3: three straight finals, back to back cups, but I agree with you, much like New England and Golden State, it's probably their best days have passed them by.
1: Yeah. Um all right, so uh briefly guys, we got about eight minutes left. Um DeAndre Hopkins obviously, you know, traded from Houston didn't fit in Arizona for whatever reason. Um, he's looking at the Titans, the Patriots. Where do you see him fitting? And and Brandon, I'm going to start with you. Do you want him as a Titans fan?
2: I mean, could he make us better? Absolutely. Um, he could. But would would we make that extra stretch to – win a super bowl, I don't think so. Um so I think he's taking that in consideration. Yeah, I would like to have him uh if the money worked out right and we didn't overextend ourselves on the cap. But um let's talk about possibly the Bills right now. Stefan Diggs situation going on. Um which he's unhappy, which is so weird. weird.
1: weird situation. There's gotta
2: be something with him and uh Josh Allen potentially going on. So uh, you know, you could bring in somebody like that to just get Diggs back on track uh, and, and really help that team. So I could see that happening. You know, obviously the Pats he visited there, that would be a decent fit. But another uh, team that I heard was the Lions. And I, I know – I'm sure Tom's heard a lot more than we had, but uh, would also be a good fit there. So he's got a few teams. Uh, you know, there are some ready. Obviously Chiefs, everyone's heard that. But – uh Chiefs would just dominate again if they threw D Hop in there. I mean, they could make freaking anybody look good. Yeah, they made over there, Juju so.
0: Smith Schuster look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah what, exactly. What, what worries
1: me about just like his logic of looking at the Titans and Patriots yeah. is like, what the hell? You, you're just going for the most money, right? And, uh, and
2: I think that was a courtesy for uh, Vrabel. You know, no Vrabel from the Texans. I think that was kind of a courtesy call there. He's not coming to the Titans.
1: Well, 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 didn't he say he would only go to a winner? If if I'm Titans, I don't really want him. I'm not sure. Like the Titans, we're not good enough. The AFC is loaded. We're not good enough to win. We'd have to get him.
2: We'd have to get him super cheap for for me to want him, and that's not going to happen. Like, why would he
1: play
3: with Tannehill?
2: That's what I'm saying. Or Mac
3: Jones. Like, he first said he would only go to a winner. I think he's just—it's just market setting. Hey, well, Lions won that yeah, South start.
2: two years ago. A, a, a mediocre no, quarterback like that, media and media when media you put talent around him, it, it does you know make your chances better. Now, when you get down to the Super Bowl, you're not going to win it, but could you go to a Super Bowl? Maybe, maybe, but not not We're in the AFC. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean the Lions—if he wants to win, the Lions are the best chance of those for three. sure. I think so. Um, Tom, what have you heard about him?
0: Well, the only thing I've really heard is being Jameson Williams is out for the first six weeks, which there are talks that they're going to appeal that suspension. Oh, yeah, go to the
1: gambling enterprise that you guys got going
0: on up there. Because him and the recent players that just got busted for um, uh, gambling online, or as we'll see, they all said the same thing. They had no idea that they couldn't do it, you know, um, on grounds practice field or or whatever. So
1: they're, 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 wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Just then just the revert inter- is, absolutely <laughs> no, like, no, no way. Like, There's no way that's that's a, a, a winnable argument. My it my is, point it is, being it is on every posting board contract, do not gamble on sports.
0: Sure. But my, my point is um they're probably gonna be without him for six weeks. Yeah. So would he fit well here? Uh, DraftKings has them sitting in the second spot at plus three fifty. Buffalo at plus two fifty to land him. Um, it makes sense. They are loaded at at wide receiver. They don't have the biggest names, but they have really good serviceable guys that have.
2: Ahmad Brown is not clear number one, right?
0: Brown, he's a he's a top five, seven receiver in in the NFL. But um, Jared Goff, you know, he's he's a really efficient quarterback. And where are you going to put Hopkins? Maybe in the slot? You put him at the post routes? I, I just think, yes, he would fit good here. But I always keep going back to comfort. And, and who needs him more than anything? And it's Cleveland. Uh, the comfort level with Deshaun Watson and Cleveland needs a playmaker. I, and they're sitting in the third spot at plus 400. I think that's the
1: one place that makes the most sense. Actually, him adding him to that circus would be year. kind of funny. <laughs> What's that? So adding him to that circus would be kind of funny.
2: It would, be, Yeah, he'll get like guaranteed 50 a year if he goes to
1: Cleveland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Sensibility, though, I think it's Cleveland. What would Would he look good in the Honolulu blue and silver? Absolutely. I would not uh, be disappointed.
1: Um, All right, boys. uh, It's time to make make these kids some money. We are heading to world-famous bet. It's time for
0: Bet Your Nuts.
1: All right, boys and girls, this is where we make you guys a little money. We uh, can't guarantee anything, but I mean, pretty, pretty, pretty sure. <laughs> um, so we have the U.S. Open this weekend. Obviously, we have uh, the race going on. Um, we have, I guess there's baseball and um, who knows what else. Tom, you ready for your pick? Yeah, I'll go
0: uh, U.S. Open here. Um, I like how Rory played last week. He uh, he seemed to really stick it. You know, he started really good, kind of slipped away, and then really kept it along with the pace. I, I think a lot of the 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 talk uh, negatively from some of the live guys will motivate him. He's sitting at plus sixteen hundred. Give me Rory. McElroy to come come home with the U.S. Open
1: all right Roy coming home the U.S. Open Roz, what do you got
3: how much going on in my world uh I guess I'm gonna go with my Dodgers uh I'm gonna take the game just started but the over under tonight is eight and uh even though Kershaw's on the mound I'm taking the over I think that uh he tends to sometimes not show up against crap teams, but also uh, Mike Clevenger's pit the long-haired moron that was on San Diego last year's pitching for the White Sox. And that guy is straight-up ass. So I'm expecting L.A. Uh, to hammer the ball tonight and to get eight on their own. So, um, yeah, I'll take the over, even though Will Smith isn't playing because it's Kershaw and he only lets Austin Barnes catch who sucks.
1: Um, yeah. So, because NASCAR does what they do, there's no race this weekend because of Father's Day. So, well, one, well, happy Father's Day to all you fathers and stepfathers and all out there. But uh, I think I'm gonna take, um, Kepka eleven to one. I mean, I I just like him at majors. That's good odds for me. So that's who I'm going with brandon
2: not bad um as you know just like nascar typically when you bet on a a guy or somebody to win it you usually take a handful of them so i'm gonna get i'm gonna give you a rundown of a few that i like and then i'll give you my best bet for the tournament Uh, i'll do like scotty he's first in everything first in the world first in everything except putting if he finds a way to putt and make putts this, this week, Scotty Scheffler will walk away easily. Um, love Victor Hovland here. Uh, he's at plus 1,200. Uh, Max Homa, as I said before, he played in college on this course, shot a 61. Um, almost the course record I think is a 59, so that's pretty good for him. He's got a lot of uh, potential there. Patrick Cantlay, plus 1,600, uh, like him. Cam Smith, again, if he can drive the ball well, Cam Smith is great in majors as well. He's at plus 2,500 for a reach there if if you feel unlucky. My favorite bet uh, is Justin Rose, plus 150 to make the top 20. rosie has been playing great all season, uh, especially in majors. He's finished uh, no less than top 14. Uh, I, I, I don't think he'll do any less than that either. So get a little plus money there for a, a pretty sure bet on that one.
1: You can't sprinkle out all these big money bets and then tell us to lock in a plus one hundred and fifty bet. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, you throw little money and sprinkle yeah, out yeah. everywhere, oh, yeah. well, and then, then you hammer just, the plus one hundred and fifty.
1: you were just reading the spread, the the, the gambling sheet. Like no, it. I'm reading
0: what I wrote down
1: on the players that I like. <laughs> He's even got that
0: typed. Look at that.
1: Yeah, I, yeah look at that, Brandon. You're that's impressive.
2: Uh, thank you. Well, he's, uh, it's,
1: it's uh, he's, called, le- he's leading the field in AI Brent. right now. <laughs> um, all right, boys. Well, uh, Brandon's going to be on vacation next weekend, so it may just be the three of us um, next we'll week. Let's see how it goes. Uh, and then, uh, so, final thoughts. Uh, Brandon, we'll let you lead since you're leaving next weekend once we get this promo going on.
2: Final thoughts. Um, dominant. In both finals, uh, I mean, almost to a point of boredom. Um, also great to watch, maybe potentially a new dynasty coming up in, in the Nuggets. So looking forward to that. And in, in the, the Golden Knights. So we'll stay tuned in the next year to, to see how they prevail. Um, and then again, you know, a major in golf is always one of my favorites. Uh, but you only get four years, so. Looking forward to this. I will be watching abroad, so um, hopefully you guys took our advice and uh, make a little little money.
1: Hey, if if you bet the long shot, you can probably afford a vacation like chain. Um, We'll enjoy your vacation. Um, We will see you soon, Uh, Raj. Bringing up to you. What are your final thoughts?
3: Um, man, in a country of basically six million. Maybe eight and a half million, if Kosovo is included. How about Serbia, with the two jokers, D. Joker and Djokovic, uh, or sorry, and uh, I'm confusing myself here. Uh, Djokovic and the and Jokic, um, just two all-time greats. Most notably, this year, the two numbers that that stick out the most, like I said, aside from the 23 Grand Slams with D. Joker. It's 387 weeks at number one, easily an all-time record, just insane. And then with Jokic, it's just the beginning. To me, the most impressive was the first person in the history of basketball to lead the playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists. So I guess what are they putting in the water in Belgrade? I don't know, but... For a country that small, their athletes, and and soccer as well, are just phenomenal.
1: I agree. It is a very statistically odd and astronomical probability to to do that. But, yes, uh, it is amazing. All right, well, thank you. We'll see you next week. And, Tom, we're coming to you now.
0: Uh, My final thoughts, final word for today is hope. Uh, and the hope is I'm staying close to home. My Detroit Pistons uh, yesterday, they unveiled Monty Williams as their head coach. He uh, had the press conference with t uh, t-shirt, Tom Goris at the helm. Um, every single player on the team showed up for the press conference. I thought that that was really special, really uh cool motion notion, uh, and it showed not only, you know, the coach, it just showed the organization that these players are ready to, uh, do whatever it takes to get this team back to where it was years ago. So, um, I'm really hoping. Uh, I love basketball. I love the Detroit Pistons. I think this is a great coach. Whether they paid too much for it or not, I don't know. But, um, I just think hope for the future. This is a young, young team and they have the right coach. And, um, to say maybe playoffs in the next two to three years, I'd be
1: ecstatic. Um, Thank you for that. And I'm going to follow that kind of theme. Uh, today would have been the late, great Pat Summitt's birthday. Um, a coach that coached the Tennessee Lady Vols to eight championships and countless, not even countless, but, in immeasurable success on women's basketball and women's sports. Um, She had a saying like, I don't know how I'll beat you. I just know how I'll work you. And that's just something that resonates with me. and I'm sure a lot of people, but, um, you know, the court at Tennessee's named the summit, just a larger than life figure in Tennessee sports, but uh, just just happy birthday to the late Pat Summit um and then um yeah and thank you guys we will be back next week maybe we're shorthanded a little bit but we'll be back talking about the u.s open and we will be talking about i'm sure there's gonna be nfl rumors there's been college football scheduling and there has been uh who knows what late breaking news there will be but thank you guys for watching you can please uh like and subscribe and uh look for us on TikTok, instagram we do reels we do whatever tick tock things are and we uh <laughs> post on twitter and um also if you follow me personally um my law firm is up for best of the best personal injury attorneys in chattanooga so please vote for us uh shameless plug all uh, right but uh thank you for that um Whoever nominates us, uh, we appreciate. Why was that it. dude
3: photoshopped in at the end? <laughs> uh,
1: he's like our cat. He's like so. We have the cat, and then we have the imaginary attorney. So the imaginary attorney has to represent the cat. <laughs> I'm gonna call him Mittens from now on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, can't, you can't take yourself too seriously these days. Uh, well, thank you guys for watching. Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Reckless Speculation. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube searching Reckless Speculation. Catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to catching you right here next week with another exciting episode of Reckless Speculation. Cheers.